Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. There are horror stories of people buying the wrong piece of property. Our broker also does like pop quizzes sometimes oh, on our sales meeting. Like I love name it. the seven ways you can get your deposit back. That's when they start calling their friend who's a realtor and asking all the questions. <laughs> Yeah, what does this mean exactly? I don't know what to put in this blank. I'm like, well, you can pay me. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hello, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. It's time for another podcast. Perfect. Great. Today we're on episode number 109. Okay. The, ah, I got it. Navigating contracts. Perfect. Okay. We have had many, many requests for this topic. So people seem um, a little nervous about contracts and uh, want a little advice on how to fill them out. And I would like to say before we start that um, our disclaimer here is that we are not lawyers. In no way, shape, or form are we offering you legal advice. No. Um, contracts are legal documents. And um, mm-hmm. so we're going to come at this from the angle of how do we review and write contracts in our business? Yes. But obviously, the Louisiana contract is different than it would be in a, uh, every state has their own. So right. surely there will be things that we miss that you guys have to do. Like we don't even have the radon thing here. Like that's not somebody else sent me a message about water. Let me tell you what it said. Water. Something about, um, uh, Oh, nuts. Like, uh, I don't, I don't remember. It was, And then someone sent me one about Metro districts. Like point being here is that there are a lot of things that we don't do here. And there are things that we do here that maybe you don't do where you are. Right. So we're just going to talk about what we know. Contracts in general. As usual. And we did find some articles that were more national based that were, that might be helpful. Um, One of the requests for this episode said that she fears the contract. Oh, that's not good. Job hazard. That's a definite job hazard. But I also, when I was reading that thought, you know what? Some people probably need a more healthy level of fear around this because it is a legally binding document. I feel like it is not taken seriously enough. At all. So fear Mm -hmm. is probably better than being so cavalier, just like it's no big deal. There are agents in, in our market that I have dealt with who acted like that was just like a piece of trash. That paper didn't mean anything. Like people just write down whatever they want, do whatever they can to get a house under contract. And then are just like, meh, we don't, we don't have to abide by that. And you know what? The problem is that 
it's so expensive here to um, pursue legal action if there is a problem that a lot of times these people get away with bad behavior because yeah. the other side doesn't want to incur the expense or the headache or hold their court house up in court. They just want to move on and sell it to someone else. So I think it's frustrating. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you have um, anything you want to start us out on today? Um, I recently got a contract that filled out the important things. Okay. Like the price and the close date. And, but there were just several things that were left totally blank. Right. Um, For example, in the financing section, my broker is a stickler about if there is a blank, something needs to be in it. Yeah. Whether it is in a, because you don't need that blank. Okay. Or a number or something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I see it more in the financing section because mm-hmm. there's a lot of blanks there in our pur- in our purchase agreement for yeah. interest rate, loan terms. And a lot of agents leave that blank probably because they are not involved in their buyer's pre-approval. And maybe their buyer isn't even pre-approved. Or maybe their buyer isn't pre-approved and they don't even know what the buyer's interest rate is going to be or, or what they loan. should put there. Here's a disclaimer here. You should not be showing someone a house if you don't know their loan type. I mean, right. FHA, RD is in a certain you know geographical location. So that's a rural development loan. FHA, this house needs to be in a certain condition. Same thing with VA. Like you, If you don't know your client's loan type, how do right. you know what to show them? Mm-hmm. Okay, carry on. Um, So I recently had to counter and it had like eight things on it because I was filling in all the blanks that were left blank. So people are like, well, why? This is just an example. Maybe your purchase agreement has another example, but let's say an agent leaves the interest rate blank. Okay. They, that buyer technically can cancel the contract for any, at any time. For any in that rate. whole contract for any interest rate. Yeah. Because we left it open-ended. Mm-hmm. If you went to court over it, the buyer that defaulted would probably win yeah. because of that blank. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we think it's never going to happen to us. That's not that big of a deal. When have you ever had an issue with the interest rate blank or a mineral rights blank or a whatever, whatever. It's not a problem until it's a problem. And then it's a big, 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 huge problem. And whenever I went and did my post-licensing hours, my education at our board of realtors, the teacher was an active agent. She was just the instructor for the class. Um, And she said in one of our classes, well, if you don't get sued by year three, I don't, you must not be selling any real estate. I was scared to death. I was like, wait a minute, I should expect to be sued. Like this is not something I'm comfortable with. And so I have always been like a fine tooth comb over reader. I mean, 16 years deep and I have never hit send on an offer or accepted contract until I have read it two to four times. Yeah, Like I have got to read it, look at the blank, read it, look at the blank, think about my client, read it. Like 
sure there are sections of it that you get used to and you know what it is, right? So I'm not right. reading every word of nine pages, but also it's nine pages. I cannot assume that my client has read every page. One time I made a mistake because I was reading the offer on my phone. Okay. This was several years ago. And on our purchase agreement, it says, these are the items to remain. Uh And then there's three full blank lines. Mm -hmm. But above that, after it says, these are the items to remain, the sentence ends. And there's like a. This has happened with you and I together. Yes. With the refrigerator. Yes. Maybe it was you. Might have been. And the refrigerator was written on that line. Right. And when you're, and it was black ink, just like the rest of the purchase agreement is black ink. Yeah. So I write all of my purchase agreements in blue font. Oh, uh-huh. all of, so if you get an offer from me, it is blue font. Okay, so that's anything a good that idea. I have written is mm-hmm. blue and it cannot be missed if you are right. skipping or. Okay. Well, I wasn't trying to trick you. No. <laughs> but I, I think I've, ha- I've actually had that happen too. If it, it, it's really about the font I've, you know, if you are going yeah. too quickly and you're using the same font as the contract, yeah. it can all blend together. Yeah. A line can look like the pre-printed. Yeah. Um, so our broker, you know, asks that we do blue ink. Makes sense. And it looks pretty, I think. Sure. Well, it stands out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I'm reviewing an offer as the, you know, if I've received the offer as a listing agent or if I'm, well, the spec specifically then I, number one, go through all the blanks where they had to put in information and jot that down so that I can send it to my client. Like I don't, right. I don't need to go through every, you know, pre-printed paragraph that's always there. I know what they say, but I need to know if someone wrote in something. Right. That's the most important thing you do when you review it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like the blue ink. That makes sense. I do think too, I really like the um, offer template about when you're submitting an offer to a listing agent Yeah, where you write your terms in there of, Hey, the offer is attached. Please note it's a, this is the price we're asking for this closing cost. We're not asking for a home warranty. Yeah. This is the close date. This is the response time. I wish more agents did that. So that way I wasn't feeling like, okay, I've already reviewed it once. I'm going to review it again. Is there something I missed? Like, just tell me what the terms are. Hit the high points. It matches what I'm looking for and I'm not missing anything. Like, wait, I didn't see that, you know? Yeah. Um, There was an agent in my last office who received an offer, I think, on her listing and then had to get a call from the... um, right? The buyer's agent that said, I'm so sorry. Can you send that back to me? Um, or just ignore it. I put in, there was a typo in the price. So instead of 300,000, it said 200,000. Wow. Like it was off by a hundred thousand dollars. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Especially what if you had been like in multiple offers or something was going on where they don't have time to work, you know, mess with you and your messed up contract. No, 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 no. Um, what do you think some of the common mistakes are when filling out the contracts? Only filling out the important things and okay. then maybe just skimming. Um, another common mistake I see is 
seller to pay all closing costs. Yeah. I don't like it has to be a number. Give me a number. A seller is legally cannot agree to all. Right. Because what if you're using a, a terrible lender and closing costs are astronomical? Yeah. He well, doesn't and, know if he's agreeing to 5,000 or 15,000. And, you know, also um, there are sometimes limits to what the lender will allow your seller to pay. So maybe your right. seller isn't allowed to pay all the closing costs. Maybe they're allowed to pay 3% and that's less than what all is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think there is a severe lack of communication between buyer's agents and lenders before the offer is written. Yes. Don't, don't pick a closing. Here's the one. You pick a closing date that's three weeks out, but your lender's office is very behind and they really need 45 days. Well, you, you can't just, that's a contractually chosen date. Like the seller, had they had a backup offer or they changed their mind about selling, that would be an out for them if you got to that closing date and they didn't give you the extension your lender needed. I mean, it's not a given that you get an extension. Sure. So I think- that um, talking to the lender is huge on the front end. And I actually uh, had multiple offers on a house last week and I emailed a copy of the contract to the lender using our um, offer received template where we email yeah. the lender and say, hey, we're in multiple offers. I got an offer with your pre-approval letter. I have attached the contract. Do you see anything that looks incorrect? Do you feel comfortable with the close date on this contract? Is this the correct loan type? Um, And I actually had the lender respond and say, Hey, actually, I think I'm going to need 10 more days than that contract says. Okay. And I thought I appreciate knowing that right now. Yeah. Because that, I mean, it doesn't, and it actually didn't necessarily hurt their offer that they needed 10 more days. I was thankful to have a lender that responded quickly. Yeah. That told me the truth, Mm -hmm. explained everything. So I think it's definitely important when you're the listing agent to send a copy of the contract to the lender to say, you know, before we accept, we're trying to do our due diligence in this competitive market. Is there anything on here that doesn't look right? Right. Right. I agree. That was really helpful. Yeah, that is um, helpful. And then if there is a repeating problem in your market based on your purchase agreement, for example, okay. in our market, window treatments always seem to be a debate. What are window treatments? Are they drapes? Are they blinds? Is it the hardware? I mean, so if it's something that's always coming up and it's important to your buyer, p- reiterating all drapes and blinds to remain. Okay. Do you, uh, I have to crack up when I get a contract on a listing and clearly the agent has been bitten over something previously. And so they add, yes. it would be like, it could be as crazy as all toilets to remain. Like all I've gotten all garage door openers to remain. You know, it's one of the, or like two, like it's like a specific number, two, two garage, garage door openers, openers to remain. Um, all the window coverings, rods, associated hardware, blinds, they list everything you ever could have imagined because they got bit somewhere along the way. I do not understand y'all are going to die. So in our contract, the, the statewide Louisiana required purchase agreement has a paragraph. What would you say? 20 lines long of the things that remain with the sale. It yeah. lists hardware and, um, you know, toilets and do- it lists all kinds of things that you're like, that's obvious. Like the appliances, right. built-in appliances, blah, blah, blah. It lists, how does it word it? Window coverings. I think, yeah. it, I think it says window coverings. 
Yes. I don't know why, but for some reason, females seem to understand that a window covering is literally anything that covers a window. The males in our industry love to argue that a curtain is not a window covering. I'm like, by definition, it is covering the window. It seems so black and white, but I guess it's unfortunate that you have to then, and you know, our contract gets edited, what would you say, every two to four years where they ask for input and they kind of hear these complaints. This is the problem we keep having. How can we word this to be more clear? And then they'll edit it and it'll become hopefully more clear. And typically they edit something in a good direction and something else in a bad direction. And we're constantly having to fight with what's not working in the contract. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like if you like, just like Alyssa said, if you know something in your market, that's always a sticking point, then write it out, just write it out. But I also laugh when they write out things that are clearly there. Like I, I know the oven stays. Thank you. It's, it's built in. It says it, but fine. It's not going to hurt to write it. I just had an agent write all appliances. Mm-mm. That doesn't so, work. No, it doesn't work because refrigerator washer dryer while I think refrigerator is an appliance we yes. say a washer dryer is an appliance yes but refrigerator washer dryer are also personal movable property they're movable I think the key the way it's written in ours is you know it would say all built-in appliances so that would mean you know, a built-in microwave or an oven or a stove or the dishwasher or the disposal, these are appliances that are built in, right? Like yes. you can't just easily remove the stove and it rolls away. The refrigerator isn't attached to anything besides mm-hmm. the plug. Like it's, and um, it's the same thing for like fountains and, you know, all these items that the rule here is, or like as a title attorney has described it to me, if you can remove that thing without causing damage to the property, then it's a movable. And right. if it's, and if it's an attachment, then it's not. Well, that's how we got all caught up on TV mounts because now that everyone has a flat screen TV and they have these big metal mounts in the wall, you cannot remove the mount without causing damage to the property. So it was sort of right. like the, the thought was if it required you know, a drywall repair that's attached. So now I think, does the contract list the TV mail? I think that I'm going to go pull it up, but basically that became a point of contention with the TV mount. And so now you have to be really clear if your seller wants to keep the TV mount, then you got to tell them in the contract. Otherwise they assume that it is going to stay. Okay. Like in ours, it says, all install lighting fixtures, chandeliers, and associated hardware. I mean, these things are attached. So right. it also says constructions permanently attached to the ground. So like you couldn't, I guess, remove a shed if it was attached to the ground. There's just a lot of room for interpretation, I think, is the problem. Yes. Um, so you just have to like be over communicating with all of that stuff. I was trying, I don't think the TV mount is in here, but it became, I think, widely assumed that the TV mount had to stay. Yes. Oh God. It's just a lot to deal with. I think too, when you're walking through a property, if there is something, um, that you're not sure about just writing it in to be cautious. Like I had an issue with a wine refrigerator. Yeah. It was plugged in. There mm-hmm. was a hole for it. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't necessarily built in because it was, uh -huh. it just, just kind of slid in. And mm -hmm. anyway, I guess you had to buy a wine cooler. You did. Yeah. I did. Um, if the house has a pool, making sure that all of the pool, pool equipment, equipment remains, mm -hmm. you know, generators, making sure that it's an installed generator, not a plugged in. Oh my God. Right. It. Um, cameras these days, security systems and speakers and all of those things have gotten so different over the years. Yeah. Some of them are just plugged in and some of them they bought and used an app and then yeah. they show up for the final walkthrough and there is no camera. You're like, where and, is this? Right. And mm -hmm. so um, just reiterating the things that you need to stay. I think the important part of that too, that's probably the biggest sticking point on a regular basis in the contract. It's the things that stay and go. Yes. It, it has to be appropriately communicated to your seller on the front end. So like when you take the listing, explain what does it mean, what stays so that you have notes because you have to make sure that ends up in the contract. Simply putting in the MLS listing, uh, you know, fountain reserved or, you know, seller reserves chandelier and dining room. If you didn't remember to get that into the contract, it, it doesn't matter. They can't have it. And then the seller's going to be mad at you or even worse. What if the seller went on that chandelier and y'all never had the conversation? And now, I mean, y'all, that could be thousands of dollars. That could be your whole commission. Yeah. And they could be like, well, no, I didn't want to leave this. And then you're like, well, this is what the contract says. And now you've had a bad, they've had a bad experience with you and you may be out money or at least have a very angry client. So you have to have the conversation in your listing appointment about that with the seller. Then with the buyer, when you're writing up the contract, you have to have the conversation that says the refrigerator does not stay. If you want the refrigerator to stay, we can ask, but it could also affect your ability to negotiate this deal. So, right. But they don't Even know. Like our homeowner information sheet. If these are your grandmother's drapes and you want to keep them, remove them before we take photos, remove them before yeah. a single buyer walks through this house and it becomes an item of negotiation. Yep. Every seller I have ever had with a chandelier they wanted to keep or a bathroom mirror they wanted to keep. I'm like, it has to go before photos. It cannot be here. You can store it somewhere. You could put it in a closet for all I care, but there better be something else hanging there so that when they see the house, there's no confusion. I think that a lot of the problem is that with so many things going digitally, we are not taking the time to review actual paperwork yeah. with our buyers, with our sellers. They are not reading what you are signing. No. Um, and that is why I like to have a paper trail of like the email I send the buyer before I send them the purchase agreement to sign that says, please note these lines in, in particular with the price, the close date. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, even after all of the explaining I do, they still ask, when is our close date? I'm like, you know, that contract you signed and yeah. those emails I sent and those phone conversations we had, they, they just don't always get it. No. They're, they're just on autopilot doing what you tell them to do. Right. I mean, I guess it's a testament to you being so trustworthy, but it's also too much pressure to yeah. make sure, well, they're like, oh, well, we're going to be out of town that day. I'm like, that's not how this works. I had yeah. that in my notes, um, mistakes that I think people make filling it out. The logistics, the thinking about discussing and logistics of closing day. You should be talking to your buyer if you're filling this out. When are you in town? When can your lender close? When are you available to close? When do you want to move? Do you understand you don't get keys until you close? Like, 
Do you have a house to sell? Now we've got a whole nother can of worms where I'm saying, okay, well, where do you plan to live? Are you going to pack it all up and be homeless for one night because you got to close both on the same day? I mean, how, what are the logistics? And that, that one is the biggest one that someone will come back to you later and say, Oh, Hey, um, my seller can't be out until after closing because they're buying another house. And I'll be like, but my buyer can't has to be out of their house. And you didn't, I negotiated occupancy for them on their deal. You forgot on yours. And now my people are supposed to be punished. It's not, that's not how it works. Like, right. It becomes very fresh problems in the contract for me are one of the most frustrating things because I don't know what your client needs. If you're representing the seller and I have the buyer and your seller needs occupancy, I don't have access to ask them. I have to blindly assume they will be out of the house at closing, right? Yes. How many times has that been a problem for you? Oh my gosh. It's more than I would like. So many, and it's very, very frustrating because I don't want to micromanage other agents. And at the same time, I can't wait for that problem to arise later and affect my buyer client. You know what I mean? Like you have to be like, Hey, are your people, where are they going? What, like I have to ask probing, where are they going? When are they leaving? Do they know they have to be out at closing? Like, are they buying another house? I need to know like my, or else my buyer is going to be stuck in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a co- super common mistake. Occupancy. So when do you in typically like to do your final walkthroughs? Day before, morning of. Same. And if they're still fully there, it's kind of late it's at tough. that point. But now I think we've talked about this on other episodes. I do think in the case of a, a large number of repairs, I feel like almost two walkthroughs are necessary, a repair walkthrough, and then a final like condition walkthrough. There is no way in the world I am doing a final walkthrough on a house five or more days prior to closing. What if something happened to the house? Right. It's too, I mean, too even, early. even if it's vacant, I mean, it could have been struck by lightning or a tree could have fallen or uh, a, a toilet could have overflowed and flooded. Like you, you've, I think you've had this recently. Yeah. I had a house that was vacant and we did our final walkthrough and we didn't ask for the refrigerator, even though it was there. Um, but the seller was like, that's okay. I'll come get it because I'll just use it as like a beer fridge. So we did our final walkthrough and he had just, and it was the morning of closing. He had come the night before to get his refrigerator. When he got his refrigerator, he didn't cap off the water line that goes to the the ice maker maker, and it flooded the whole house. And if we had not done the walkthrough two hours before we signed papers, he would have signed papers and gone to his new flooded home. And, it's and there's not, nothing that not, could have been yeah, done about it. Not the seller's responsibility at that point. Nope. I know it's very scary. Very, very scary. So I think, and you know, that's also in the contract. Do you need to do, you have the ability to do a final walkthrough. Repairs are supposed to be done in our contract. It says five days prior to closing, but you still want to see it, I think, closer to closing. What yeah. about... Um, I'm trying to think of some other like crazies. It's usually the stuff that stays and goes, um, closing date, occupancy. Also, we have a section pretty deep in there that's just blank lines that are like other terms. 
Yeah. I've gotten some weird stuff in there and I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Like, I can't. I think on that note, like a lot of people write things in the actual contract that a lender will not allow yes. on a contract. Yes. So when it says all furniture to remain, couches, TVs, boats, well, why can't we put that in the contract? Because the mortgage lender is in charge of financing houses only. A home. They are not a furniture lender, a boat lender. The lenders have to know that the money they are lending for the house is only for the house. Yep. So if you're including things that aren't typically included, like a, uh, a boat, um, a jet ski, all of those things have to be on a separate addendum. Yeah. Yeah. For the uh, sake of your loan. Here's another one. That's funny. When I started the contract here said that the seller had to provide a wood destroying insect report, a termite certificate. Okay. So the seller had to have an inspection. If they found termites, they would have to get a treatment. They have to show up to closing with a clear termite certificate. And then, oh, good grief. It might've been 10 years ago. They changed the contract. It is no longer the seller's responsibility. It is now within the inspections of the buyer. The buyer's responsible to inspect for termites, which makes far more sense yeah, it, it, I think it is wonderful, but then especially, and even now agents, I found to be very re- resistant because they were used to it being the seller's responsibility. So a lot of agents will write in, you know, the wood destroying insect addendum. There's even a checkbox section on the newest offer that says, mm-hmm. you know, you could check it off as an attached addendum. I get it all the time. And I will tell you, I think agents still do not know this. Lenders, for the most part, no longer require this. They used to require it. No longer require a termite certificate unless you check that box and ask the seller to provide it. Now it is part of the contract and it is required. So before you check the box, you could have done the inspection yourself as the buyer, had your whoever come do it. And if you found termites and, you know, you the seller's going to treat it or whatever, or they don't and you don't care, you had you had all the control. The lender didn't even know about that. Now, right. if you check the box and say the seller has to provide it, well, guess what? If you don't show up to closing, the seller doesn't show up to closing with it. You can't close your loan because the lender needs it. Right. But the lender didn't need it if you didn't check the box. And agents it's don't only, even... It's just another thing added. Another yeah. hurdle. If you put it in the contract, now the lender's going to require it. It could be anything. It could be you have to show me a year's worth of electric bills. Now that lender might be like, I need to see him too. Right. Hello friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes. Listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right. Here's another one. 
Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is gonna make it so nice. That is what we're here for. No, just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're going to enjoy them you're going to love them you're gonna it's going to change it. your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy um so speaking of that how adding in addendums and extra things just makes the lender's job another hurdle and obstacle to overcome mm-hmm. when you're writing a contract like what do you feel like you do to write it well Uh, I try to keep it what they like to call clean, right? So what are the least amount of things and terms we can put in there? At this point, I no longer even ask for warranties. I'm I'm not asking for a termite certificate. Um, I want to do the sales price wherever my buyer wants it. Let's just assume it's a regular market and not like Mm -hmm. a low inventory, crazy market. market. Let's just assume it's regular. Um, You know, we look at the comps, we choose a sales price and then if they don't, if they're putting 80% down, I'm going to be like, please adjust the sales price to what you want and don't ask for closing costs. It, it just confuses and makes it feel like more terms, more terms, more terms. I'd rather you say 250, no closing costs than, you know, 255 with 5,000 in closing costs. You know, I just think the seller's going to be like, I don't want to pay your closing costs or like they, it's just a little more confusing for the seller. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, if they don't need closing costs, I try not to put those in there. Um, you know, closing dates, I try to like be mindful of the day of the week for my buyer. It doesn't, I won't know for the seller, but I also try to ask the listing agent if there's a preference, like does, does your client have a, when do they need to be gone? Do they need to stay there longer? What is going to work for them? Cause I also am trying to write an offer in the fashion that doesn't require a counter, assuming the seller is okay with the price. I don't want to have to go back and forth on terms. So I'd rather mm-hmm. you just tell me, do you need to reserve any items that I'm going to check the MLS as I'm writing the offer and see, did the listing agent put in curtains are reserved? Well, I need to get those in there. I don't want to go back and forth. So I try to just do that. I don't really think I haven't been doing warranties. Um, that's, I mean, pretty much, I don't put anything in the additional terms usually. Yeah clean. What about you? Mm-hmm. Same. Just usually my buyers need some closing costs. So we're usually just doing price closing costs. I put a 30 day, my lender usually can do 30 days. Um, and then when I email the offer over to the listing agent, I'll say, Hey, we're flexible on the close date. So if there's a date that works better, let me know. Yeah. Um, I think to, Oh, bless you. I try, I know, right. I try to get all the terms of the loan correct from the pre-approval letter. Um, There was something else I was just thinking. Well, another thing too, like condo addendums, people don't, they think, oh, it's a condo, sign this condo addendum. But like that addendum says, if you do not get me all of these documents from the homeowners association within a time frame. This contract can be declared null and void. Yeah. And people think, oh, an addendum, it's not that big of a deal, but it is something that requires, yes, it's a Mm -hmm. huge deal. 
And all of these addendums and things that are added in, we're just having our sellers sign them without Mm -hmm. even realizing that it could be providing an out for the buyer. Yeah. And we're also maybe agreeing to something that we have no control over. I had a situation recently where I could not get the homeowners association to send me the documents needed for a certain condo. And we had signed this addendum. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's crazy. Um, the other, like, I also, as a listing agent, when I'm checking the field, if you say FHA loan, and then you ask for some crazy number of closing costs, I might be like, Hey, this isn't what your standard FHA loan would allow. Like, I guess you have to be mindful of what type of loan it is, what they're asking for, what might come up like a VA loan. Don't you have to provide some certain closing costs? Like, so they're just like with VA, they require the seller to provide the termite report. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a loan thing. Yeah. So you just have to know those kind of things. Um, The other things that I'm really mindful of as a listing agent and also as a buyer's agent, checking and double checking the address, the lot number, (laughs) the legal description. I mean, you know, they're horror stories of people buying the wrong piece of property Mm -hmm. or, you know, trouble down the road that delays closing because it's not right. Um, Also, who's supposed to be on the loan and who's supposed to be on the purchase agreement? Is it just the husband, just the wife, both of them? Do they both need to be on here? Who, who's like, who's the seller? Are there three sellers, one seller? Like who's supposed to be on here? So you just have to ask questions of your clients because there's no way for you to know. Right. No way for you to know. Okay. Do you want me to read the seven most common mistakes? made when writing a real estate contract? I absolutely want to hear them. Okay. So the first one is not respecting dates. Um, If you write an offer and your buyer doesn't finish signing it until the next day, that contract is no longer valid. Oh gosh. You need to rewrite the contract with the effective date being today, right now with appropriate timeframes. Once a timeframe passes, it's It's over. over. Yeah. There is no contract. Yeah. Um, forgetting to list some of the parties. Okay. So like, kind of like you said is, did you buy this when you were married or before, or did you inherit it? Who else is like, um, I have this, this happens a lot, especially with successions. Yeah. Um, if someone has inherited it and they say, well, I was named the executor. Well, we might still have to have your brothers and sisters sign off. Yeah. There's Um, different types of executors. Yeah. And, and it's our job at that point to reach out to an attorney that is working with them yeah. to say, who is doing this? Also, if you're about to list a property where someone has passed away, I always ask the succession attorney, when am I allowed to list it? Yeah. He may say, we're still 60 days from being able to get the succession complete. Yeah. Um, so there are time and, and the owners don't realize that. No, 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 no. They no. do. You would think that they would tell you, but mm-hmm. person had a will or didn't have a will. What can we do with it? Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing too. Um, listing names incorrectly. Oh. Um, So we always say that we want our agents who listen to Hustle Humbly be the agents that other people want to work with. Yeah. And not just realtors, but like lenders and title. 
be the agent that sends them a clean contract. Mm -hmm. And whenever you write an offer, tell your buyers and sellers, can you please send me your full legal name? Yeah. Having them sign with their full legal name helps the title company so much. Yeah. Because they have to do that name search where there's all these variations. Are you a junior? What's your middle initial? Um, You may go by... John, but is your real name, Jonathan, you right. know, just making sure that it is all totally legal and how it is on your documentation. Yep. Um, not putting contact information. Um, so that could be for agents that could be for, I know that, you know, on ours, we usually just have them sign, even though there is a place for, address. Yeah, I don't put all that. Um, but it, it says that it should be on there and that there have been lawsuits. I don't know really how a lawsuit could happen from not having it on there, but according to this article, it has happened. Okay. Um, an incomplete or inaccurate description of the property. Mm-hmm. So this is also especially important when you're dealing with land. Yeah. And acreage, and maybe there's, you really only have the legal description to go by and making sure that you're including all lots, or I've had situations lately where if there's a mobile home on the lot, confirming whether that stays or goes. Um, so including everything that is being there, uh, filling, uh, do not leave any blanks. And it's funny because (laughs) it says, if there is a line that you are not using, even additional terms, oh. you're supposed to put mm-hmm. in A okay. to prevent people from writing from something. after everything is signed, going back and writing something in. Yeah. If you put in A, it's showing I have acknowledged that there is nothing. nothing. That makes sense. And then this is happening a lot these days with this crazy market, but unrealistic deadlines. Yeah. Because if you're giving someone two hours to respond, give, they're like, well, we're just going to give it to them and force them. Well, they may not be able to meet that deadline. Yeah. Um, it, it may not be an option. So if you, unless you're ready to rewrite that contract and have it re-signed. Right. Or getting an extension. Right. Um, I just think it's really important to cross your T's and dot your I's. If you're countering and it's late, Maybe also counter that the deadline time frame was extended mm-hmm. just to keep everything yeah. legal Timed. and solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that all on that one? That was all on that one. Okay. I have one that was okay. uh, different uh, agents weighed in on the, you know, I guess the biggest contract mistakes. So similar to what you have there. Um, well, these kind of funnily, some of them I think are fueled by the current 2021 market. Number one was not having an inspection contingency. So oh, if you don't put one in there, you don't get to have an inspection. And I think also yeah. um, putting in an appropriate day, like you can't just put in two days for inspection. How are you going to pin down an, a home inspector that quickly? So you right. also don't want to put in a 20 day or 25 day inspection on a 30 day close. I mean, if I was the listing agent on the other side of that, I'd be like, no way. So right. I think just being mindful of that date and making sure that you, you, you have your inspection in there. Um, this one was not providing precise lot measurements, which you just talked about. 
Here's another one of 2021, waiving the appraisal contingency. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily a mistake in contract writing. It's just a choice that you might be making now. If you waive the appraisal contingency and you're getting a loan that requires an appraisal, then that is a mistake of writing the contract. Yeah. You don't yes, get to you make, don't you don't get to choose that. You don't get to make that choice. Now you could put in like a an appraisal gap coverage in your contract where you say, okay, well, we have to have an appraisal, but if it's low, we'll pay X amount of dollars over that number. Sure, that's fine. Um, I think that's the thing is that you have to be specific when you're writing a contract. Yeah. So you can't say all closing costs. You can't mm-hmm. say we'll pay anything over appraisal. Like no, yeah, give it a number. Yes, it has to be an exact number. We will yep. pay up to 15000 over appraised value yep, or for whatever sure. your number is right. um, just for to sure. make it legally and binding and yep. not open-ended. Absolutely. Uh, the next one was not double-checking the contract details. I mean, oh, I get nervous still to this day when I hit send to my buyer to sign. I'm like, okay, did I get everything they wanted? Did I make sure, I, is it all correct? And then when I, same thing, when I'm, sending it to the seller to sign. Okay. Did I, did I check it and check it, check it. You can't check it enough. Um, making changes to the contract after signing. That is actually yeah. one of the things that I kind of like about the e-sign. You can't like, it'll kick off all the signatures if you start fiddling right. with it. So right. it's kind of nice that, you know, you're, you're being held to that because of the way the software works, but yeah, you can't just start making changes after um, and oh. I think that we're so used to, like, if we need to make a change to the contract, um, that the other agent's just going to say, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah, they don't have but to. I had, yeah, I had a situation recently where it was a multiple offer situation. We chose this one. They were going conventional. So it was a cleaner loan type. We took that into consideration. Two weeks in, the agent sends me an addendum. Hey, my buyers decided to go FHA. Can you please have your seller sign this? What did you well, do? That's a big deal. That's yeah, a big deal. I said, why? I want to talk to the lender. I want to understand what's happening. I want to understand why. Mm-hmm. And I did talk to the lender, and there were some reasons. And honestly, it, it was not fair because we were kind of in a bad position. Where okay, well, do we want to cancel you and start over? Start over. Um, I know. we didn't want to do that. And yeah. I did feel comfortable with the lender's explanation. So we allowed it and, and I wasn't worried about the condition of the home, but there, there are things a seller can say no. Yes. That's, what's funny to me that buyers agents don't take into consideration or understand yours. My seller is trapped in that contract. There are in Louisiana, there are no outs for the seller at all. At, at no. all. There is no way out of that contract, whether they decided they wanted to live in that house forever, they got a better offer, they can't take, like there is no way out of that contract. But as soon as the buyer doesn't make a deadline, doesn't follow what they have to do, sends you an addendum asking for a new loan type. Hey, guess what? I don't have to sign any of this. And my seller could potentially get out because they want it out. And, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's really something to be mindful of as a buyer's agent that you just can't, go in later and start. Oh, hey, we'll assume I want an extension. I what if the seller has cold feet? Yeah. They don't have to give you an extension. They can just say nope. no. And if and you there pick- are sellers that have, you know, sold their house, regretted it, declined all repairs, hoping that the buyer will walk away. I mean, 
Yeah. We just have to always keep, I think that we get too comfortable thinking sure. it's never going to happen to us. For sure. For sure. All right. Here's the next one. Uh, mis- common mistakes, making a non-contingent offer. So if you're, if your buyers are contingent on selling their home, you cannot make a non-contingent offer. What they're going to be in breach if they don't go all the way through with it. It's just so crazy. Uh, I have buyers that don't fully understand that. Oh, for sure. Um, not educating clients about the pros and cons of removing contingencies. So it's, I mean, I think a, I think client education is probably one of the biggest mistakes period in contract writing seller side, buyer side, any of those. Uh, Well, I, that's why I think it is so important for us to have the conversation with the lender. Um, I actually had kind of a close call recently with a very uh, knowledgeable couple that seemed to really understand everything that was going on. And they said, we do not have to be contingent. Okay. So when it came time to write the offer, I emailed the lender. We were writing an offer. Yeah. Like I was typing the contract and I had emailed the lender to say, can you send me a pre-approval letter for this amount? And he said, sure, just be sure to write it contingent. And you're like, what? And I went, why? And he said, because they do not have the funds. He said, they are approved right. for both. But they can't. But they do not have the cash needed to close until they sell their house. So while debt to income ratio wise, they are approved for yeah. both. And mm-hmm. they heard him say that. But they but didn't their understand. Brain, their brain never registered that. Oh, but wait. Where will we get that money? Don't. Yeah. How are we going to have our down payment? What are we going to do? And it was one of those situations where they owed too much to get a home equity line of credit out of their old house. So they had to sell first. So I said, guys, we cannot write this. Not content. Why? I said, where is the money going to come from? And it was like, I saw this light bulb go. I'm like, yeah. You have to sell your house, which means you have to be contingent. And this was a multiple offer situation. They love the house. So we called the lender and said, what are our options? And he said, a family member could gift them the down payment. So they called mom and dad and mom and dad gifted them the down payment only to be paid back when we sold their house. Yeah. So we found a way, but if there was no mom and dad, we were going to have to cancel that contract later. Yeah. Like, thank God I was in communication with the lender. Yeah. And not just saying, okay, Okay. my client said they're not contingent and here's their pre-approval letter. Oh my word. They don't always understand. No, they don't. We can't expect them to either. Right. Uh, Okay. Uh, Next one, cutting corners and missing important details. People in a crunch, in a crunch often tend to forget to dot their I's and cross their T's. Yeah. I mean, she said, I hear all too often, just do whatever it takes to get the deal done. Well, that's not going to work. Oh, here's a great one. Poorly written escalation clause. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really needs, especially in this market, if you're going to do an escalation clause, which I have done and accepted on, I've been on both sides of these, it has to have, like you said before, what's the end number? Like what, 
Right. How much over is it? Like how high up are you willing to go? Is there an appraisal gap that's going to be covered? Like, are we getting way over list price? Like, there are- Well, the other thing too, is like people are, people were writing, we will offer 5,000 over the highest price. It's no. not about price. It's about their the net. net. Yeah. What's the net? Yeah. So it has to be well written. Um, Okay. Uh, adding unnecessary friction to the transaction. I think we've kind of touched on this. Like you just, bless you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it just, it doesn't, you need, don't need to add in terms you don't need. Okay. Oh, it says the mistake we're seeing among real estate agents who are not experienced with off market transactions is an ex- insistent that the contract be on the state association of realtors standard contract form. Is that not a thing? Okay. Oh, very interesting. I'm not, I'm not heard that before. It says right here, I'm going to read you the whole thing. Adding unnecessary friction to the transaction. This is from the CEO and co-founder of Offer Market in Maryland. With record low inventory, we're seeing an influx of real estate agents involved in off-market transactions, specifically wholesale deals using an assignment of contract. The mistake we are seeing among real estate agents who are not experienced with off-market transactions is an insistence that the contract be on the state's association of realtors standard contract of sale form. This is not necessary as there is already a valid contract in place with the seller and a signer and it adds considerable friction to the transaction. Oh, I see. They're like, they want to be able to assign the contract they've already used. As a result, buyers represented by real estate agents are losing out on many of these deals. What? So I have a seller who flooded recently. And with the flooding that happened here, it brought in a lot of investors to our marketplace. And they told me that this guy contacted them, wanted to purchase the home. Yeah. I was not going to be involved. Um, I did not have it listed. It was flooded and gutted at this time. This guy approached them to pay cash. But I am helping them buy a house contingent on them selling this flooded home. So I told them I would be happy to meet them with the investor just to ask some questions because our contract over here is dependent on this going out. And the investor showed up with a two-page purchase agreement. Okay. I didn't necessarily see anything wrong written in it, but I was more concerned about what was not written yeah, in it. Right. Like our purchase agreement is a certain length to cover a lot of bases. Yeah. So I asked him if he would mind if I wrote the contract on the state form. Mm-hmm. He did not mind. Okay. And he, everybody said, I'm not, I didn't put my information on no. it as an agent because I'm not involved. I just wrote it for, typed it up and they all signed it. Yeah. Um, but it made me remember like, oh, there are people out there that if there's not realtors involved, you can use whatever form you want, yeah. but how good is that form? Right, right. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Not mistake, not protecting your clients. I mean, that should be your number one. Like if you don't do an inspection, if you don't do an appraisal, like how do you protect your clients? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Oh, and number 14, (laughs) impossible to fulfill tight closing dates. Yes. Like just, you can't pick numbers. So you get 
So you get the deal and then you win. Well, it's not going to work. Like we can see that coming. So a seasoned agent will already know if you're in multiple offers and you get some contract with a bunch of crazy stuff on it. And you're going to be like, you have a RD loan and RDs backed up and you say 20 day closing. You're going to be like, this doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. Um, what else? Any other thoughts on what you look at, what to look out for? Um, I think that's all my notes that I have. I think okay. the key here is just being as thorough yet simple as possible. Yeah. Um, and being making as familiar. It clean. Yes. Clean and easy. I've shared this before that when I was new, my broker asked us to write the purchase agreement line by line in layman's terms. And this yeah. could be a really fun thing to do together. If you wanted to just get a group of agents yes. together and go to lunch and bring the contract and, and actually type it out in layman's terms, as if you were explaining it to a first time home buyer, what does this actually mean? Um, our broker also does like pop quizzes sometimes oh, at our sales meeting, like I love name it. the seven ways you can get your deposit back. Oh, wow. You know, and if you don't know, she's very disappointed. Oh, I bet. So, oh my God. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. It's like contracts is the continuing education that isn't the most fun, but necessary, but is so important. That one is useful. I will say <laughs> mm-hmm. when it comes to like new agent training and continuing education, People always want to opt for how to get more business or how to convert leads, but nobody wants to take the contracts class. Yeah, nobody, but you need it. So key. You do need it. And you need to read that. You also need to read through the contract every time they edit it. Yeah. Like what did, what changed? What is different? Why? Or even going through with the highlighter on dates. Where does it Uh say calendar days versus business days? Uh How many hours or days do you have to deliver the deposit? You know, we had a buyer say, Oh, well, I'm out of town. I'll bring the deposit Monday. Well, they missed the deadline and another offer came in that was better. <gasps> oh God. And the seller said, well, we never got your deposit in the time frame mentioned on the contract. Oh, we're my. canceling you and we're going to take this better offer. Yeah. I, I mean, mean there's, there's just so many loopholes, right? We, it is our job to educate. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is exactly what it is. It is our job to educate. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's what I got. That's what I got too. All right. Let's do a toast. Let's do a toast. Uh, Contracts. It's the most important thing you do though. That, and you know what, before we do the toast, that is probably the number one way that for sale by owners get themselves in trouble. Oh yeah. Contract issues. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to fill it out. They don't know what's missing. They don't know how to look at red flags from a buy, like a buyer contract. They don't know anything. Uh-uh. And they, and they think because the for sale by owner website gives them a copy of the contract. That's, Oh, well, I got it. I'm all good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's when they start calling their friend who's a realtor and asking all the questions. <laughs> yeah. What does this mean? Exactly. I don't know what to put in this blank. I'm like, oh, well, I, you can pay me mm-hmm. happy to help. Okay. Today's toast comes from our dear friend, Rachel Hartzog. Rachel, I love Rachel. I know. Rachel is in Houston and she is toasting 
to Kimberly LaFleur, who is actually in Lafayette. Do you know Kimberly? She's my good friend. Oh my God, I love it. Okay, Rachel. I just went and got a pedicure with Kimberly two weeks ago. You don't say. Well, she's, she's, being, she's being toasted today by Rachel because Rachel sent her two referrals and she's been the sweetest, most communicative and easygoing agent ever. Basically, she's been such a pleasure to work with. And I've got family over there that she has been taking care of. That's so sweet. Kimberly's awesome. I love it. Okay. Well, cheers to Kimberly and thank you to Rachel and y'all have an amazing day and go dot those I's and cross those T's. Check your contracts. Check your contracts. All right. Goodbye. Bye guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.